Our series is simply entitled Wisdom for Living. It's a look at Proverbs. Join us as we focus on the tongue next on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. James tells us it's pernicious evil. It's more mighty than a rudder that can steer a large ship. The tongue. Here in Proverbs, we have a lot that the writer of Proverbs tells us about our tongue and how it's attached to our heart. This is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We thank you for joining us today, and we ask you to spend a few minutes with us as we glean wisdom from the Proverbs, especially as it relates to our tongue. Here now with today's broadcast, once again, Pastor Steve Converse. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about how we manage our words. And our ability or inability to control our tongue will really determine, more than anything else, the level of success that we have in relationships around us, if you stop and think about it. If you can't seem to say the right thing, and you constantly seem to say the wrong thing at times, you're going to find yourself someday all alone, alienated from everyone in your life. Some people find it easy to express themselves, just kind of rolls off their tongue. Some people have no trouble saying what's on their mind, and we usually refer to those people as brilliant conversationalists. Some of them can talk on and on and on and on and on and on for hours about nothing. And we've all dealt with people like that and never get around to saying what they want to say, but they seem to keep the conversation going. But we all know that there's more to speaking effectively than just being able to string a bunch of words together. Would you agree with that? Um, The Bible teaches us a different approach to conversation than maybe one that we're used to. It teaches us to use our words sparingly. Some of us have difficulty in doing that. To speak with caution. I read the other day that the Ten Commandments contains only 297 words. Psalm 23 has 118 words. The Lord's Prayer is only 56 words long. Yet, in a recent report of the Department of Agriculture, they needed 15,629 words to describe the price of cabbage. See, it's not the ability to use a lot of words that really makes a difference, is it? It's being able to use the right words at the right time. And we need to get into the habit of speaking carefully. We all do, myself included. Like I said, this week has been very convicting for me. We need to learn to think first and talk second. And the Bible speaks about that. We're going to be looking at that today. But it takes effort, doesn't it? It takes a lot of effort on my part to make sure that you say the right thing in the right way at the right time. Reminds me of a story. A state trooper pulled over a man for speeding on a deserted road out in the middle of the desert. And since the road was clear and the weather was fine and it was daylight and there was no cars around, the the trooper, after checking them out, came up to the couple and leaned over them to the window and said, you know, I'm going to leave you off with a warning even though you were traveling at a very high rate of speed. And he even leaned in a little further and said, you know, and I want to compliment you on the fact that you both are wearing your seatbelts. And to that, the woman leaned over toward the officer and said, well, you know, officer, when you drive the speeds we do all the time, you have to wear your seatbelt. And the officer took his little tablet and he went back to his car and he wrote them a ticket after all. See, sometimes that's an example of not thinking first before you say something. That's an example of not considering the best way maybe to say something. And the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about what we say and how we say it. In fact, the terms tongue, lips, mouth, and word appear, and words appear nearly 150 times throughout the book of Proverbs. And next to Proverbs, probably the the one verse 
that strikes us very near and dear to the heart is found in James. And it says, The tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Hard words about our tongue. Severe words and yet very accurate words, you might say. James is focusing his attention on tongue's evil side. Well, Solomon, in his wisdom, balances the perspective. He gives both a good perspective on the tongue and a bad perspective. In Proverbs 15, 2, it says, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. He gives both sides of it. So to refer to the tongue as the single source of evil, I would say is a bit unfair. It's kind of like saying, well, money is evil. Well, money's not evil. It's love of money that is evil. And really, as we learned last week when we talked about the heart, the issues in the heart, we know that it's the heart that is really the source of the tongue's evil, if there is any there. And the tongue is the vessel that communicates that evil. It's a messenger that carries the information from the heart to the world. So it's the heart that we have to deal with, as we learned last week. Not simply the tongue. But today we want to talk about you and your tongue. And David tells us in Psalm 119, verse 11, he says, Thy word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. See, sin is always a matter of our heart. Sometimes it comes out through our lips. But in this study, we want to focus our thoughts on the uses of the tongue, as we find in Proverbs, both right and wrong. So let's consider the first of these two, the right uses of the tongue. The right uses of the tongue. The tongue has some noteworthy qualities. In fact, it was the Lord Jesus Christ that said that a man could speak from the good treasure of his heart in Luke 6.45. So you can use your tongue to do good things, to speak good words. And we want to look at some of those good things that we can do. The first one is wise counsel and sound advice. And these are just kind of an overview of various Proverbs. And so you can either follow along in your outline or look up on the screen or turn in your Bible, whatever. But we're going to go through these kind of rapid fire. So um, do whatever you want. But wise counsel in sound advice. And here's a sampling, just a sampling of statements that introduce this use of the tongue. In Proverbs 10.31, it says, The mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom. In Proverbs 15.7, it says, The lips of the wise spread knowledge. And over in 27.9, it says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. See, sometimes we are called upon to use our tongues to give men or women wise counsel or sound advice. And a lot of times, it's, it's seasoned veterans of the faith who've learned through life experience the positive functions of the tongue, and they provide a great resource for us for counsel. Their tongue carries beneficial information to our ears. And when we're around them, we should be concentrating on listening versus always talking. To heed that counsel or to, to listen to that advice. Secondly, good use of the tongue is for reproof, rebuke, spiritual exhortation. In Proverbs 17.10, it says, A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows to a fool. In Proverbs 20.30, it said, Stripes that would score away evil and strokes reach the innermost parts. 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. See, it's impossible really for us to measure the value of reproofs and rebukes and exhortations to people, especially when such a person's concern is accompanied by love, discernment, good timing, proper motivation, genuine interest, all those things. You can't just run around reproving and rebuking people, exhorting people. You have to do it 
with humility. You have to do it with love. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. So when a friend comes alongside and says, hey, I got something hard I want to share with you, our defenses, we have to keep in check. We have to say, okay, I need to hear this from this person because I know this person loves me. I know they care for me and I know they want the best for me. So I want to hear what they have to say. Even maybe what they have to say isn't nice to our ears, but it's needed to be said. So we have to be careful about that. But that's a good use of the tongue for reproof, rebuke, uh, spiritual exhortation, and then also encouragement. It says in 15.4, Proverbs 15.4, a soothing tongue is a tree of life. Over in 15.23, it says a man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. Don't you just love it when someone comes along and they just say the right thing in the right way at the right time, and it just makes you feel good? I mean, that's just so encouraging versus somebody that comes along and says the wrong thing at the wrong time at the wrong place, whatever. It's just like, well, what are you saying? And we've all probably done both if we're to be honest with ourselves, but we have to realize that that's a good use of the tongue to speak encouragement. In, so, in Proverbs 16, 24, it says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. One of the most significant ministries we should cultivate among ourselves, both in our families and our relationships and the family of Christ, all that stuff is mutual encouragement. When we come together, we should be willing to mutually encourage one another in our faith. We need to refine our skills of expressing honest appreciation for what others mean to us. Some people are good at that. Some people aren't. But we all should be working on that. Sometimes a lot of that is better done in private than in public. The fourth thing there I see is witnessing, teaching, and comfort. Proverbs speaks about that. It says in Proverbs 10, verses 20 to 21, The tongue of the righteous is as choice silver. The lips of the righteous feed many, providing comfort. Proverbs 11.30 says, the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. He who is wise wins souls. So we're out witnessing, sharing the gospel with the lost. Proverbs 18.24 says, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. We need to stop and remember that, you know what, our words can affect people in positive ways. And if it weren't for the tongues of caring Christians, none of us would have been helped to know Christ personally or taught his ways if somebody hadn't come along and shared the gospel with us at some point in time. And there's a lot of responsibility, tremendous responsibility that rests upon those who stand in the gap as teachers and as communicators of the truth and as Christians to go out and to share the gospel with a lost and dying world. Our words have great potential for great use. Well, there's also four specific uses from the book of Proverbs talking about the poison in your mouth. Wrong uses of the tongue. We've seen the good uses. Let's look at the wrong uses of the tongue. And this is where it gets kind of, uh, you know, uncomfortable, you might say. Because through those four, we can all uh, probably identify with one or two of those and say, oh yeah, I remember. God used me to comfort that person or I witnessed to this person or I spoke an encouraging word to that person or I was able to rebuke that person and saw them, saw them come back to the Lord, whatever it is. But now we're getting to the, the kind of the, where the rubber meets the road, and we don't like to go here. We don't like to talk about the wrong uses of the tongue. We'd just rather stay on the first four. But as we turn our attention to the tongue's inordinate uses, we begin to look at our own heart, and that's what we need to do. And that's what the book of Proverbs, remember I said this is a very practical study. This is something that's going to touch you at every practical level of your life if you allow it to. 
And we constantly need to be evaluating our actions if we want to be fully pleasing to God. And one of the actions is how we use our tongue. And so let's see if we can see here some of the wrong uses of the tongue in the book of Proverbs. If you look at Proverbs 20, 17, it says, Bread obtained by falsehood is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. Falsehood. First wrong use of the tongue is deceitful flattery. Deceitful flattery. 26.44 says, He who hates disguises it with his lips. He who hates disguises it with his lips. In other words, they're not, you're not seeing the real deal. It's deceitful. In 26.28, Proverbs says, A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Or 27.6, Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. We already looked at that. But the term flattery refers to insincere, what? Compliments right? Insincerely offering somebody compliments. You look nice today, and they got one eye open, and their hair's all over the place, and you know. <laughs> Deceitful flattery. I mean, we've all done it. We've all been uh, victims of it, I guess you could say, but it refers to insincere compliments that are given with wrong motives. Excessive praise for the purpose of gaining favor in someone's eyes. Judas surfaces as an unavoidable illustration of flattery. Remember when he planted on the face of Jesus one of the most deceitful, flattering events ever known to man, a kiss of bitterness. He went up in the garden and, and literally kissed him to betray him. We all need to implement the counsel contained here in the following. It says in 28:23 Proverbs, he who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. Do you hear that? He who rebukes a man. In other words, you're telling it to him straight. You're being honest with him. It may be uncomfortable. Maybe they don't want to hear it. But you know what? Afterward, they're going to find more favor with you and you with them than someone who is just flattering with their tongue. And that's an important thing to realize that our tongue, within our tongue, we have tremendous power. And we should be using it for good, not for deceitful flattery. Secondly, it can be used to slander, to talebear, or to gossip. And this is always a touchy issue. But once again, we see it the counsel from Solomon in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs 10, 18, here's what he says. He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. Or over in 16, 20, 28, a perverse man spreads strife, and a slanderer separates intimate friends. Or 17, 9, he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Or 2019, he who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. See, too many within the Christian family still find delight in running, you might say, roughshod over other people. And you know what? At times, it's hard not to. It's hard to keep your tongue in check. Some can appear quite sweet, gracious, even on the surface. But underneath, they're filled with contempt. And they got an issue in their heart, and it's coming out through their mouth. They can conceal their tail-bearing activities with a smile or maybe even a curtsy. Any information we allow to pass through our lips should be checked at one of four gates. And I put them there in your outline, I believe. Before we speak, we should stop and ask ourselves, if what I'm about to say true, is what I'm about to say true, is it true? Do I know this for sure? How many times have we said something and then we've had to come back and say, oh, you know, this is what I heard. I didn't know that it wasn't true. We've all done that. But you know what? We need to be aware of that. And we need to keep our tongue in check. And the first gate there of protection is, is what I'm about to say true. If you don't know, then don't share it. Just wait. Secondly, is it confidential? Has it been told to you in, in confidence? 
And this raises some questions which we're going to look at, but you have to stop and ask yourself, is this confidential information that I'm sharing with somebody that I shouldn't be? Thirdly, is it kind? Are these kind words or are these degrading words? I mean, it's always easy to speak bad about somebody. It's always easy to criticize somebody. At least for me, it is. It's harder to actually talk about somebody in a good light. I'm, maybe I'm just being brutally honest. I don't know. You're all staring at me like I'm, I'm from Mars. But you know what? That's the case with me. <laughs> you know, you hear some dirt about somebody. Boy, you just, you know, your flesh just wants to share that. That's just what happens. It's not right. So is it kind? Fourthly, is it necessary? Is it necessary to even share that? And that, th these four gates raise some questions. Aren't there times when certain kind, uh, certain unkind information has to be communicated? Isn't there times when you're talking to somebody and you have to say something that you don't even want to say? And you know that they're going to perceive it as unkind or harsh or whatever you might call it, but it still needs to be said. Yeah, that's true. There are those times. Jesus is our example in Matthew 23 when he told the Pharisees to their faces that they were wrong and that they were hypocritical. He wasn't just being mean. You know, they didn't look at Jesus and say, oh, you big meanie. You know, that's not what their reaction was. They knew that he was speaking the truth. Yet on those occasions, we look at the way he did it and his heart. He had a good heart. It wasn't evil. His motivation was pure. So sometimes when we have to say harsh things, or we have to say even unkind things or things that might be perceived as unkind, we have to do it with a proper motivation of our heart, not just to tear somebody down. It might be to enlighten about a situation or whatever it might be. Secondly, aren't there times when confidential information should be shared? Is there ever a time when confidential information should be shared? I would say, again, yes. Obviously, very limited, but we need to stop and think about this clearly. Sometimes, people, even within the church, okay, getting a tizzy, things happen, whatever happens, happens, and we engage in some kind of a sinful practice within the, the bounds of the church, and church leaders, a lot of times, are the last to discover what's even going on. Everybody else seems to know what's going on, but no, the pastor doesn't know, the elders don't know. It's like, what? what? This person's doing what? Well, you didn't hear it from me, <laughs> you know, one of those deals. Well, in that case, we need to understand that the purpose is reconciliation. The purpose isn't to run somebody out or run somebody down or whatever, but we have to underscore one thing. Before any such information is shared with the appropriate individuals, the matter should be obviously bathed in prayer. You don't want to just be running around spewing information that you've seen or you've heard or whatever that could be confidential. But you know what? There comes times, I remember as a youth pastor, I'd have kids all the time come in and say, hey, look, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't tell my parents. Well, no, I'm, I'm here. No, no, I don't play these games. What, are you going to kill yourself? And I can't go tell your parents you're going to kill yourself tonight? I mean, yeah, I'm going to put myself in that corner. I don't think so. Or you got your girlfriend pregnant, and I'm, I can't go tell your parents now because I promised you this confidentiality. That, that's not going to fly. So you have to be careful. Sometimes we, we want confidentiality, and we want it just because maybe we're ashamed of the situation or whatever, and we don't have trust in the, the people we're sharing it with. And so we think, okay, well, I, I kind of kind of draw this in, and I just want this person to promise me that they won't say anything to anybody, including their own spouse, including the elders, including whatever. And, and that doesn't work too well. Because if you're really there to get help, you're really limiting the ability for that person to give you any kind of help. And so you have to stop and rethink that. So sometimes it is necessary to share confidential information with people over certain situations, whatever it is. Obviously, they're limited. But the highest level of conversation has to do with ideas, thoughts, truths, plans, and events. 
Think of it this way. That's the highest level. The lowest level has to do with people. And a good question to ask yourself is this. How much of my conversation is spent about talking about others? How much of my conversation is spent talking about others? Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we might say a lot, we may say a little, we may say whatever in between. But we have to stop and think, what's the motivation then behind that? You know, I know sometimes that I've had to even catch myself because... You know, you, as a pastor, sometimes you can't, you know, you can't just run out and talk to people about whatever. And so sometimes, you know, you have a friend or whatever, and you kind of vent. And then you're, you walk away from the situation going, I wonder how they're perceiving this. Are they understanding I'm venting? Or they think I'm gossiping? Or they think, what, what's going on? And so you have to be careful about that. You have to pray about that. And only the Lord can show you what the right way to go and, and different things. But think of those four gates. Is it true? Is it confidential? Is it kind? And is it necessary? Do I even need to share this? Thirdly, third way that we can use our tongue in a wrong way is arguments, strife, and angry words. One thing you're going to find real quick, if you have kids or you're married to somebody, arguments, strife, and angry words are going to be in your house sooner or later. It's just going to happen. It's just going to happen because we're fallen. We're sinful. In Proverbs 18.6, it says, A fool's lips bring strife, and his mouth calls for blows. 29.11 says, A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Proverbs 29.22, An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. But it's remarkable how something like an angry heart can bring about sin. Once again, we're back to the heart. One occasion of sin after another. And Solomon's counsel for us is really to disassociate ourselves with those given to anger. Don't hang around angry people because you might become angry like them. It might rub off. We need to pull back from the tumultuous quarrel on the horizon and diffuse it rather than roll up our sleeves, let's go. That's, that's not going to help anybody. So arguments, strife, angry words, another wrong way we use our tongue. We've all been there. We've all done that. The last thing, fourthly, boasting, foolish talk. It says in 1728, even a fool, and I love this verse, even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is counted prudent. Think about that the next time you're in a business meeting with somebody. Think about that the next time you're in an argument with your wife or your husband. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. In Proverbs 17, 5, he who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who rejoices at calamity will not go unpunished. Those are harsh words when you stop and think about it. I mean, how many times have we, well, I have figures, look at the way they're living their life. They deserve what they got. Boy, we have that kind of attitude. Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. 650-366-9923, or visit our website, gracefultruth.org. And now, to close out our time together with a look at our fall schedule, once again, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Thanks, Andy. I want to share some exciting information with our listening audience concerning our fall schedule here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. First up, we'll be having our fall Israel and Bible Prophecy Conference featuring Bible teacher Dr. David Hawking on November 18th, 19th, and 20th. 
It will all kick off on Friday, November 18th at 7 p.m. with concert pianist David Talbot leading us in some wonderful hymns here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. The conference is free, so we hope to see you here the weekend right before Thanksgiving. Second on our fall schedule will be a real blessing to our ladies here in the Bay Area. Ladies, we have a real Christmas treat for you coming up on Saturday, December 3rd here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. We will be hosting a woman's Christmas tea with speaker and author Elise Fitzpatrick. Elise will be teaching from her book, Because He Loves Me, How Christ Transforms Our Daily Life. The tea will be held on Saturday, December 3rd, with seating for the tea beginning at 11 a.m. Our program will begin promptly at 11.30 and will conclude at 2.30 p.m. here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. Cost of registration will be $20 and registration will be required in advance. Ladies, you know firsthand how hectic your world can become just prior to the Christmas season. We want to give you the opportunity to break away from your daily routine for just one Saturday afternoon and come together for some great fellowship, worship, and teaching that's based on God's Word. Why not plan on being here Saturday, December 3rd from 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. for a wonderful time of fellowship, worship, and teaching from Elise Fitzpatrick. I'm sure you'll enjoy the time together and walk away with a renewed sense of purpose and commitment to Christ. All the registration information can be found on our church website at gracebibleonline.org. Once again, that's gracebibleonline.org. There will be a registration form available online. You simply download it, fill it out, mail it in with your registration to the address given, or you can simply call us here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, 650-366-9923. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening to Graceful Truth each weekend, and it'd be a wonderful encouragement to us to hear from you about how this program has been a blessing to your hearts. Thank you, Steve. And again, friend, we'd love to hear from you. So call us today, 650-366-9923, or write to us, 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, 94061 is our zip code. Until next time, God bless.